So I would encourage you this morning to turn with me to, if you will, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And that is the anchor scripture of our verse this morning, on which we're going to talk about the mission of our small group ministry. And Paul wrote to the church, and he said this, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs in the fullness of Christ. Back in 2004, when you called me here to this ministry as the director of small groups, I had felt like uh, it was obviously one of the greatest blessings of my life. And as a matter of fact, I have become convinced that over the course of my nearly 40 years in the world of business, having the privilege to do many things, working for one company for 30 and a half years, going through a series of about five different career opportunities thereafter, I called them career two, A, B, C, D, and E, that lasted no more than usually about a year and a half, I thought, this obviously is the very best. God saved the best for last for me. And I praise God for that. I thank him. It just doesn't happen that way very often. But it, as in this particular case, and as we began the small group ministry here at the Alliance Bible Church, uh, the first thing we did to, get, to do was uh, to put together a, a, a planning team. Serving on that team was Ron Pfeiffer and Dean Leonard and Rowena Martin and at the time Steve Erickson. And an ad hoc, ad hoc member of that team was Paul Martin, our pastor, and he met with us on several occasions, but we met on a consistent basis for a period of about six months as we shaped the plan for the small group ministry here at this church. And for those six months was really spent hammering out a mission statement. And the mission statement essentially is something that says, this is what we're all about. This is what we do. This is why we exist. This is our reason for being, if you will. A vision statement's a little different. It says that which we want to become. It is a futuristic thing, but the mission statement says this is what we're all about. This is our reason for being. This is what we do. I can remember back in 1988 attending a conference in my business career at the time that was held down in Mobile, Alabama, and I listened to a fellow explained a, a strategic planning process that he called, that was mission vision driven, in that an organization has, should have a clear vision statement saying what it wants to be, a clear mission statement saying what it does, a clear set of values or beliefs, that's the doctrine, if you will, of why that organization is in existence and how it will operate, the principles by which it will operate. It has goals, which are the long-term things that it wants to accomplish. It has objectives, which are the things that it's going to do to accomplish step-by-step step 
those goals. It has tactical plans that says this is what we are going to do specifically in the accomplishment of a particular objective. And it all emanates from a vision mission statement, if you will. And it made such sense, it was just absolutely appalling, I'd never heard this before in my business career at about 30 some odd years at that time, that God had made it clear, because it was really kind of based on some very sound scriptural principles. And so I became a believer in that kind of concept. I thought it, it just makes sense, there ought to be a clear definition when you start a process of planning for any organization of what of a statement that says this is what we're all about this is what we believe this is what we do this is how we operate and then from there you build a strategic plan that enables you hopefully to accomplish all the things you've laid out so we did that as we began our small group ministry with much prayer and thought as we hammered out word by word and the mission statement that emanated says this we are a connected uh, group of, of uh, we are a connected church of cell groups, or we call them small groups, that meet purposely on a regular basis to equip one another for the work of ministry, to love and to build up one another in Christ, to know him intimately, and to reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to the Great Commission. And that's the essence of our, of our mission statement, our reason for being as a small group ministry within this church. And as God really laid it on my heart, it became apparent, this is what I was supposed to preach about this morning. And we began to thinking through this, and it, it comes to a very simple process. It's four things that we're going to talk about, and that is the work of ministry, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, as it says in Ephesians 4.11. We're going to talk about loving and building up one another in Christ. We're going to talk about knowing him intimately. We're going to talk about reaching out to a lost and dying world. And we're going to see how all of this fits together within the overall mission that God has clearly given this church, which I think is summed up in a very succinct and good mission statement. Our mission here at the Alliance Bible Church is to shine a light on God's message to everyone. One of the means, the goals by which we will accomplish this, is Operation Love. And back in January, when our pastors laid out this plan for us, it became apparent, after they had gone through much thought and prayer, and really meditation upon what God was leading them to do as pastors or leaders of the flock, that this was what it was all about. It came down to the fact that Operation Love which is essentially acts of selfless service, unconditionally demonstrating the love of Christ, as we reach out to this community and all of the surrounding communities of McHenry, so that Jesus Christ might be lifted up before, and doing this in a very simple and straightforward way. Now, how does the small group ministry fit within this? Well, I think it starts with this. The first aspect of what we need to understand is that We are connected. We say that we are a church of connected small groups that meet on a regular, purposeful basis for equipping the saints for the work of ministry. But the word is connected. And I want to emphasize the strong aspect of that is this. We live in a society today which individualism is stressed to the nth degree. 
It is great to be an individual. We think about the human rights of people, of the individual. We are focused on that to, the, uh, to, uh, to an, absurd de- an absurd degree. And as a consequence, uh, we miss what we should be doing many times because we think of ourselves as independent of one another, as individuals. And I want to say connected is a key word because it means something different. It doesn't mean that we're dependent on one another, but it means that we are interdependent. We operate together. We are part of the family of God. Some of us are arms and some are legs, some are eyes and some are mouths and so on, according to the gifts that God has sovereignly given the body. But the fact is, is that everyone has been gifted spiritually so that we might work together for a particular purpose. And so we are connected. We are interdependent. God has not made us islands unto ourselves. He has not made us individuals utterly uncaring about what happens to the other person around us. And if you look on the back of the study guide that we gave this morning, there is a whole group of God's one another commandments. And if you look through, and by the way, these aren't things that are optional, and I, all, I just challenge you, if you think they are, to go to the scriptures one by one and look at them and see if indeed the Bible seems to be commanding of us, requiring of us, that we do these things for one another. It is indeed what it is all about. We are part of the body of Christ. And one part of the body says, I want nothing else to do with the other parts of the body, and goes its own way. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians. But the fact remains that we are interdependent. God has made us so. We need one another. And there's a reason for that. And the very first point here we talk about of the ministry of small groups is this. That we are purposed to equip one another for the work of ministry. Now it's interesting he said he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. What reason? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to equip the saints. So you and I have a requirement in our Christian life. That is that we ought to be working to equip others for the work of service, as it says in the New American Standard. The English Standard Version, I think, says it very succinctly, for the work of ministry. The ministering is our requirement. We have been gifted with pastors and teachers, with apostles, prophets, and evangelists for the purpose of equipping us to do this for one another. And so therefore the first key point to our small group ministry is that we ought to be equipping the saints, that is the believers in Jesus Christ, for the work of ministry. Some of you have attended our equip seminars and they're named that way for a purpose. I can remember, as a matter of fact, we borrowed some ideas and we just borrowed a few ideas, but it's uniquely ours from uh, the Saddleback Church of Rick Warren. Pardon me, which talks about their class series, which class, C-L-A-S-S, meaning Christian Leadership and Service Seminar. And so they designed this series of four seminars that are built around membership. That's Equip 101 is membership. Equip 201 is ministry, or pardon me, maturity. Equip 301 is ministry. Equip 401 is mission. Now, we have added a fifth element to this, which we call Equip 501, which is going to be kind of the graduate-level course. And that means mentorship. 
That is one-on-one discipleship training, because we ought to be training people in the body of Christ on how to disciple one-on-one people, how to mentor them, if you will, helping them become all that God has called them to be. And so as we go through membership, maturity, ministry, mission, mentorship, those are our elements of the Equip series of seminars, and that's why we call them Equip, because it makes sense that we are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that is one of the purposes for which small groups exist. Indeed, I ask you the question, how can you equip someone this morning other than you're hearing the word? And hopefully the word edifies and builds you up. Hopefully the word drives you back to the word itself that you might meditate on it and discuss it and and ruminate over it so that you might make it a part of your life. Hopefully that's what happens. But you need to be active and involved in the process of helping this word become living and a part of the everyday life of a person. That's what it's all about. We might exhort the truth of God from the pulpit this morning, but the fact is, is that you have to apply it to your life. And one of the best ways of doing that is in a small group setting, so that you can use your spiritual gifts that God has uniquely given every single one of you. Every one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again of the Spirit, God has given you unique gifts by which you might minister to one another, and that's for the purpose to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I challenge you, how can you do it otherwise? Unless you do it within that setting. And so I encourage you to get involved. Not just because it's a ministry to which I have been called to direct or to provide some leadership, but because it is for the purpose of you being equipped for the work of ministry so that Christ Jesus is glorified in your life. So that is the whole purpose. Now the second thing is this, to love and to build up one another in Christ. And what does that mean? Well, my goodness, that's pretty simple and straightforward. If you look in your Bible at uh, John chapter 13, verses 34-35, Jesus said this, very distinctly to his disciples. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one another. This morning, we, one of our hymns that we sung in the first service was, was that you will know they are Christians. Or they will know we are Christians by our love. And what a, uh, an appropriate hymn. That's what it's all about. That the world might see us and know that we are Christians by our love. And so our requirement here is that we are to love one another because God has made this through his son, Jesus Christ, a commandment for our life. And now let me just acknowledge to you that that's not always an easy thing to do. There are Christians which are somewhat unloving. There are Christians which are very difficult to tolerate. But the fact is this, that God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. And if pride in your life makes it difficult for you to love someone, I can only say that all you need to do is submit yourself to God, humble yourself before him, and he will give you grace to do what you could not previously do. 
I can testify to that in my own life that when I was a young man, I felt a calling to the ministry back in 19, I guess 1962, while I was still in the U.S. Army. And I went back to school accordingly. And I even, God bless their soul to this day, pastored a small church for about a year and a half in Easterly, Texas. And I pray that God's grace might still abound there after what I did to them. But nevertheless, all I can say is, God gives grace. And I found some of the most unloving people I've ever met in my life. Absolutely, and I'm going to tell you, this was the days of the civil rights movements that were taking place in our nation. And when the black population was trying to assert its right to vote and all the other things that went with it, and boy, I'll tell you, it stirred up a lot of animosity among some people, and their true colors came out. And I can remember a man saying to me one time that if he ever had a black man, and he didn't use that word, he used a far more derogatory term, ever appear at his front door, he would shoot him. I thought, that's, that's utterly appalling. He told me this after one of the things that we did, I should say, that on a regular basis, is that we drove 75 miles from Waco, Texas, in a 1960 Volkswagen pardon me, 1965 Volkswagen at the time, which you needed to conduct uh, or actually compute wind angle and Kentucky windage in order to uh, pass another car with 36 horsepower. It became a challenge. But I'll remember going those days to at 75 miles each way. But the nice thing was on Sunday after the first service, we were able to go and have fellowship with people. They invited us to their homes and And we sat down and had a nice meal, and we spent the whole afternoon normally fellowshipping with them. I met some of the most wonderful people I've ever known. I'll never forget them as long as I live. And I met some of the ugliest people I've ever known. Especially when you're eating dinner and somebody tells you that very specifically. You'll never forget it. And I can remember the impact that that had on my life, and I really let it get to me. And for about nine years after I had left that church, it was a very difficult thing for us to ever go back to a church, period. That's how long it took for God to get my attention. But he did, in his grace and mercy. And he told me a couple of things. Number one, that, you know, if you think you're going to love people on your own, you've got another guest coming. It's going to take me. You've got to love me. As we were talking earlier today, if you love Jesus... It's amazing what God can do. And I had a great love at that time for the ministry. I thought it was just a great and wonderful thing to be called to the ministry. But that's not what it was about. It was about Jesus. And I lost my first love. That was for him. And I was in love with the calling instead of the caller, if you will. And as a consequence, uh, it was very difficult as God had to deal with a very hardened heart that got harder by the year until he finally broke through for us in about 1972 or so. And he began to speak to us and call us back home to where he wanted us to be. But what a struggle it was for that time. But God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. And when you humble yourself before God, you're able to love the unlovely. And what a marvelous thing God can do. And he deals with you if you surrender your heart to him and let him do the loving through you. We also have another purpose here, not only to love one another, but to build up one another. So how can you love someone? How can you build up? How can you encourage? How can you help unless you get to know them? Unless you come in contact with them? 
It's going to be difficult for you to do much encouragement this morning. Some of you might have that opportunity, but the fact remains is that most of us will not. But you, you have an opportunity to do this in a small group setting when you have the chance to be an encouragement to pray for people, to understand what their needs are, and to pray intelligently and specifically according to those needs that God might minister to them. And for those of you that are involved in the ministry, you know what it's like to be a part of a small group when they come around you and help you and lift you up in prayer. What a marvelous thing it is. And that's what it's all about. So God has called us to love one another and to build up one another in Christ. And this is how you can do it, by becoming intimate with one another. And by the way, the third aspect of this is that we might know him intimately, that we are here for the purpose of knowing God and Jesus Christ his Son on an intimate basis as you would know a father and a brother and a friend. God wants you to know him that way. And that's why it's so important to understand that if we're going to know someone, we have to become acquainted with them. If you're going to love God, you need to become acquainted with him. If you're going to love Jesus Christ and have that kind of devotional love to him, you need to spend time in his presence. You need to give yourself to him without reservation. God can minister to you in marvelous ways that you cannot even begin to imagine through his word and through prayer and through the meditation that you spend on his word as he speaks to you. But he also uses other Christian brothers and sisters to bring encouragement to you, to come alongside you in your time of need, to help you out in practical ways, to build up your, your whole life in ways that will enable you to conquer things that you never thought you could. Because God has made us interdependent with one another. Not islands to ourselves, but God has made us so that we need one another. That's why those commandments on the back of that study guide this morning. That whole list of God's commandments for us toward one another. I challenge you to look at that. Go through them verse by verse and scripture by scripture and see if it doesn't apply. God asks us to know him then intimately. And when you know him intimately, you're able, because you've loved him, because you can't help but love him if you know him, you're able to love those people that you never thought you could otherwise love. God's encouraging you to do that this morning. That's a part of what he wants for you. Now, lastly, God has called us to reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to the Great Commission. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what to observe all that he commanded. He's baptizing them first in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you, always, even until the end of the era, or the world. So that's the mandate that God has given us. And the aspect of our small groups that's so important to us and so important to what we want as a church of shining a light on God's message to everyone is that we do just that, reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to the Great Commission. That's what Operation Love, by the way, is all about. A practical way of demonstrating the love of Christ, the unconditional, gracious love of God as we minister to this community through things like 
basic principles of financial freedom. Jan's going to be teaching that this next Tuesday and the following Sunday after the men's breakfast. And I can only encourage you that this is an opportunity for you to tell people about this and maybe get a brochure and hand it to them and say, you ought to come. Give the church office a call. It's free. It costs you nothing. There's no obligations. And we're not going to evangelize in that process. But we're going to witness boldly as God gives us the opportunity. And Jan has been gifted by God in a very unique and wonderful way to speak on this topic and to help people understand what it takes to be free of some of the financial bondage that we indeed suffer in our society because of indebtedness. And so this is a unique chance to help others, not only other Christians, but to help those who do not know Jesus Christ. And God will do the rest. If we just do simply these things, then God will take care of the witnessing in his good time. And last Tuesday, we had here in this place a, a two-and-a-half-hour seminar on digital photography. had nothing to do with the scriptures, but it was a wonderful way of just providing a service. And I would encourage you, because we're going to be doing this every third Tuesday from last Tuesday, and there's a, there's a brochure in the back that will tell you a little bit more about this, but we have these workshops available to, for people who are interested in digital photography, the coming thing in our day and age. And we have four gifted men in this church that have unique experience and they can share it wonderfully with people. And I can testify to that myself. My wife did a marvelous photograph of still life that she, I, I didn't think she had any clue how to do. But as a consequence of that seminar on Tuesday, Rita turned out the most marvelous photograph. I said, how did you do that? And we found out that there were things our digital camera could do we had no earthly idea that they could do until we came to the workshop. But that's a simple process. It's just a way of reaching out to the community and providing a service that's useful and helpful. And hopefully, as a consequence, they know this. There's a place here called the Alliance Bible Church. And there are a lot of people that are, are selfless and willing to do whatever is required to help the community. And that's what it's all about. And maybe somebody will come for the second or third time to a digital photography fo workshop, or perhaps they will come to those one-time seminars that Jan's going to be teaching about financial freedom, and that's all it takes for them to say, you know, I think I'll give that Sunday morning service a try. I'll come and see what they have to say. And if they come and hear the word of Christ proclaimed, and this is a church that God founded over 50 years ago that he uniquely gifted for the preaching of the word in all of its fullness. Think about this. That's the unique thing about this church. And God wants to use this church in that way. And he has, and he's provided us with a pastor who preaches the fullness of the gospel. And so I encourage you to invite. And indeed, that's what small groups ought to be doing. If we are to reach out to a lost and dying world, how can you reach out unless you invite, you speak to people and say, come and fellowship with us. And it's a great non-threatening way to do this. You know, to ask someone to come to a home. They'll feel far more comfortable about that than they will about coming to a worship service, perhaps for the first time. So I encourage you, fulfill the mission that God has given you. Not only to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
to love and to build up one another in Christ, to know Christ Jesus intimately, so that you might learn to love one another as you've never learned to love before, but to reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to the Great Commission. Now let's summarize for a moment. As we, as we look at this, as we conclude, it's really about this. You know, in our day and age, as we have said before, with the individualistic tendencies we have, we think everything's about us. And that's why I appreciated Rick Warren's book on, from Saddleback Church about the purpose-driven life. The very first chapter makes it clear. It's not about us. It's not about us. The small group ministry is not about us. It's not about me or anybody else, anyone who attends a small group or leads a small group or hosts a small group. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about being obedient to his commandments. He said, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. They're not irksome. They're not impossible to keep. God wants us to obey him so that he might bless us fully, fully, in the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we might be mature men and women that reflect all that he has for us in our lives. So we exist not for our own purposes. We exist for his purposes. It's about him. It's about Christ. We also exist to serve one another in love and thus fulfill the commandments of Christ. We exist to do this. Our mission, individually and collectively, as a church, as a small group, whatever it might be, our mission is to reflect the beauty of Jesus. There's another aspect of this. We talk about that we are to know him intimately. We grow in the knowledge of God. And, in, and by the way, in Ephesians 4, it says this in chapter or chapter 4, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith. The whole purpose of equipping the, the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ is until we all attain to the unity of faith. If you're concerned about unity in the body, we need Jesus. We need to grow in the knowledge of him. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of him, as it says in 1 Peter 3.18. So therefore, grow in Christ. Become a mature man or woman in Christ Jesus so that you might attain to the standard that is the standard of all standards. That's Jesus Christ himself. So become what he has called you to be. You exist to know him intimately. And by knowing him intimately, you will be able to do things you never achieved or could do before. Because the love of Christ will be shed abroad in your heart. God will be able to deal with you in your life in ways that you never thought possible. And we exist, lastly, for this reason, to reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to the Great Commission. Do you want, you know, I don't want to be disobedient to God. It is easy sometimes to do that. As we say to him, and we don't really say it to him, but we kind of say it to ourselves. That's no, not for me. That's someone else's calling. That's not me. That's not my thing. I'm not supposed to be an evangelist. I'm gifted in some other way. It's not that at all. Every one of us are called to reach out to a lost and dying world. 
And it says really in essence, as Paul had explained in one of his sermons several months ago, it's really not go therefore into all the world, but as you go, as you go, make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. That's the Great Commission. That's the essence of it. And every one of us, not any of us are accepted. He said this before all of his disciples gathered there at that time, before he ascended into heaven, after his resurrection. He said that to everyone. Not just to a select few, but to all. And that is our charge. To reach out to a lost and dying world. And God will give you wisdom and insight. And guide you, if you are willing to allow him to do so, and to place you in a place of service so that you can equip the saints for the work of ministry and to love and build up one another in Christ and know him intimately as you've never known before. God is asking that of you. Will you do these things and thus fulfill the law of love in Christ Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy toward us that abounds more than we can even begin to imagine. It is glorious, it is wonderful, Father, that you have saved us through Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you for that salvation so great and so free in him. Now, Father, we pray that you would just deal with our hearts individually and collectively as a church. Deal with us in our small groups. Deal with us, God, as we look to you for answers, Father. Speak to our hearts and stir us up and set our hearts on fire so that we might reach out to a lost and dying world in obedience to your commission for us. We thank you for that privilege of serving. We thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us in him. And we lift these things up to you in his name and for his sake. Amen.